Hello and welcome to The Rate Debate. I'm Darren Langer, co-head of Fixed Income at Yarra Capital, and joining me is my co-host and portfolio manager, Jessica Wren. Welcome back, Jess. Hello, everyone, and thanks for having me again. It's great to be involved in the last episode of this year. And uh, what 2023 has been a very unusual year, particularly for investors. It's been all over the place. But it's the first Tuesday of December, and that means the RBA has just met. And um, as was largely expected, Jess, uh, the RBA uh, sat on their hands and is waiting to see what happens over the next couple of months. As also was expected, uh, any further move in interest rates is data dependent. What did you see in the statement, Jess? Was there anything um, interesting? Yeah, Darren. So the RBA affirmed to us that last month's 25 basis point hike was indeed an insurance policy to make sure that inflation returns to target ban within a reasonable time frame. What I thought was interesting was that they once again referred to the monthly CPI inflation, which showed that goods inflation is indeed slowing, all according to their plan. They didn't also mention that services inflation is lagging a little bit, but we'll get a better idea of how that's going when we get next month's data. The RBA also interestingly noted that the global inflation experience, which also showed that goods inflation has been falling well and services inflation has been lagging, could reflect here in Australia later on. The way I read it is literally, yep, we're data dependent. I still think if the Fed's done, the RBA's done. But as you mentioned, services inflation is probably the key to any further hikes in 2024. I still think the unemployment rate will will matter as much as what services does. And if that starts to, uh, you know, get worse before it gets better, I think the RBA will also be reluctant hikers. But, you know, they've made services inflation the key of that message. And I think we just wait and see. To me, you know, if I had to read the statement, it says, if the Fed's done, the RBA's done subject to that services inflation um, starting to moderate. I think one of the other things that's also probably key is employment. That They seem to be pushing services inflation ahead of employment. Not really sure that's um, necessarily the right thing to be looking at, but I think um, you know if we see any material uh, decline in employment over the Christmas period as well, that probably means they're definitely on hold. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Darren, I agree. And one of the things that we've been going back to on and on again about the strong employment is that it's not necessarily a bad thing to have low unemployment. And as we know, one of the RBA's targets, apart from keeping inflation within the ban, is to maintain full employment in Australia. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I get what you mean. Services inflation can't really seem to come down until we see unemployment start to tick up. So Jess, bond markets have certainly turned around uh, since the last time we talked. Um, We've gone from a a situation where bond prices were probably falling, yields going higher, to now where they're starting to price US rate cuts again. Probably not what the Fed would have wanted, but I think largely to do with some of their changes in rhetoric. What what do you think's been the trigger? Yeah, I think the turning point definitely came from weakening data. So we've seen inflation start to come off, unemployment starting to tick up more than markets had expected. It's probably gone a little bit too far again. I think, and I would be very surprised if we don't see the Fed come out and maybe push back a little bit on market timing of um, Fed rate cuts. But 
but I think now the, the genie's out of the bottle again, so it's probably unlikely markets will let go. Um, we've seen, you know, some of the people in the ECB even even come out and talk about rate cuts, which is, is a little unusual at this time in the cycle. But I agree with you. I think the data definitely has been weaker. Unless we get through this Christmas period with a sudden turnaround again, I think the tone for 2024 is going to be not if rate cuts happen, but when. Yeah, and as the RBA has alluded to today, Australia's situation is highly correlated with what's happening globally. And therefore, I think a good guide is that we're about six months behind the rest of the world. That could be faster if we get a harder recession than originally expected. But whatever's happening globally right now could be us in six months' time or less. True. It would be nice if the RBA would just come out and say that instead of uh, mucking around, but uh, I don't think they ever will. (laughs) I guess one of the other things too, Jess, has been interesting is that um, markets love to look at the Japanese market as being the next big thing to finally come out of their 20, 30-year recession that they've been in. But we've sort of seen inflation starting to come off even in Japan. I've always believed it's very much linked to oil prices, um, inflation there. And as we've seen oil come off, so is Japanese inflation yet again. Again, I don't think um, we're going to see the Japanese market lead us out into a new a new um, regime. <laughs> but um, you know, it's been interesting that you know we're seeing most parts of the world starting to weaken all at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And as we know, the Japanese don't spend as much as the older Australian population do. As we talked about funflation in the episode last month, we're also seeing a bit of, a bit more spending in the older populations there, haven't we, Darren? Definitely. Jess and I spent um, the last week or so in Perth and, um, you know, what we sort of observed here in the eastern states is definitely uh, well and truly happening over there. Lots of people in restaurants, but very few young people. That's one of the things the RBA has also mentioned is that perhaps that higher rates are actually having a beneficial part to the economy as well, where those people who have probably been starved of income for a while have now got more income to spend and are out there spending it. So I'm not really sure what rate hikes are going to do to stop them, but it's definitely happening right across the country from what we can see. Yeah, which really proves our point that you know, we should just let the rates currently stay as it is and do its job. And the more rate hikes are just going to hurt the people that are holding mortgages rather than the people that are still spending right now. So one of the things that I wanted to really talk about in this final episode of the year is what are our outlooks for 2024 and what do we think is going to come? So do we really think that the RBA could hike again? And what are the implications that you see there will be on our employment if they do? And when are the rate cuts going to come? You know, we, we never like to be too prescriptive about what will happen. I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody does. So we usually like to look at these things in a, in a probabilistic way. I think there's probably three main outcomes that we might see. Of course, it'll probably be a combination of them. But the sort of the way we're sort of thinking at the moment is that there is a chance that the RBA still does go one more time in February. That that still can't be ruled out. You know, if we see the Christmas period a little bit stronger, you know, that that's still a big risk. I'd put a fairly low probability on that of around 20%. But I think if we do see a hike in early 2024, I think the chances of rate cuts later on in the year are much, much greater. What do you think around the likelihood of that sort of outcome, Jess? Yeah, I think the risk for the RBA to hike in February lies in the Q4 CPI numbers that we'll get at the end of January. 
The RBA has already updated their inflation forecasts in the statement of monetary policy in November. Unless there is a material upside surprise to the CPI numbers in January, I don't expect the RBA to move for a hike again. To me, they're still reluctant hikers. And as long as inflation stays within their forecast path, I think the probability of them going again is very low. That being said, the risks do lie in a very strong CPI number and services inflation as well if the RBA decides to put a bigger emphasis on that. My second um, thoughts are around the market favourite, the soft landing. That would mean probably rates higher for longer. My view is that that's probably about a 30% probability. You know, it's definitely a a possibility. If the economy stays relatively strong, we don't see a material weakening in employment. You know, there's a good chance the RBA doesn't cut in 2024 and that cuts will eventually come in 2025. And there's even the possibility that we get to 2025 and things are still chugging along and, and we don't end up seeing cuts at all. But, you know, I... Still not my favorite one. You know, what are, you, what are your thoughts around that one, Jess? Yeah, that scenario is probably the RBA's ideal scenario and for everyone else in the economy as well. But I don't really think that's likely to happen. You've seen what's happening globally. The inflation's coming down pretty quickly, but so is spending and the growth of the economy. So with the contraction that's happening right now, I don't really attribute such a high likelihood to that happening, although it would be the ideal scenario. And the key does lie in unemployment. If we continue to have the non-mortgage holders spending and that stays resilient throughout 2024, then we're likely to still have that low unemployment number and the economy strength stays good and everyone's happy. Then it comes, I guess, I'm I'm a cynical old bond manager. You you know my views. Central banks always over-tight and they generally cause recessions. The only time they don't cause a recession is when they ease fast enough to prevent it after they've already made that mistake. So my main view is that we do end up having some kind of recession. You know, one of the things in Australia is that it's probably hard to do it at an aggregate level just because we are bringing so many people into the country. But I think globally recession is highly likely. I think it's at least a 50% outcome. And the one thing that probably staves it off is further US fiscal spending. But, you know, it's really hard to see how the US can keep deficit spending at the current rate they are and maintaining their bond market in, in a fairly orderly way. So, you know, my main thing is that we will see some form of recession. The depth of that recession, though, is very much dependent on how far central banks cut rates. That's my main view. I, I've always held that view that this is how cycles end. So I'm not going to change it. But, you know, where, where are you standing on that one, Jess? Yeah, I agree as well. I attribute the hard landing as the most probable outcome just because we're seeing such a significant shift in markets pricing and also the data that we've been seeing is suggesting that we could see economic conditions deteriorate fairly quickly. And yeah, as you said, one of the key things that we've been highlighting that's supporting global growth is indeed that US stimulus. And once that gets pulled back, I think that will have a detrimental effect on the US economy, which in turn affects the entire world as well. One of the other things I think is quite important to that global recovery story is China's unconvincing recovery of the economy. They've been growing a lot slower than most have imagined out out of the COVID pandemic. And China being a large trade partner of Australia. If they're not growing, then they're not contributing to our growth, yes. But if their demand for our products start to decline, 
that could have a much bigger impact on our domestic economy. I think a lot of people aren't seeing this right now, the growth in China or the or lack thereof. Yeah, China China's always an interesting one. Most most Western economists tend to underestimate its influence or the market overestimates its influence at times, particularly in the commodity piece. But yeah, definitely an interesting one and, and one that's quite important for us as much as anybody. So Jess, going through all of that, you know, the main reason people listen to us is to listen to what our thoughts are on fixed income. So given those three scenarios, what what's our view for fixed income through 2024? Yeah, to be honest, not only saying this because I'm a fixed income manager, but it's actually a very good time to own fixed income, whether any of these three scenarios occur. And the reason is because with average yields sort of um, even for core fixed income funds to yield around 5%, you're getting quite good carry for the risk that you're taking right now. If we do get the scenario where we get a hard landing, which is our base case scenario, you'll be protected from the slowing of the economy as well. Even if we get one more hike, the upside risk isn't really too much and we should have enough, we should have enough income to withstand that. Definitely music to an old bond manager's ears. It's always a good time to own fixed income. Guess we'll see how it all unfolds next year, won't we? We definitely will. Thanks, Jess. Looking forward to doing it all again in 2024. And a big thanks to all our listeners for sticking with us throughout the year. And we hope that you have a safe and happy holiday season. Tune in next year for the RBA's first rate decision of 2024 in February, when we'll be providing an update on what's been happening in markets. If you ever want to suggest topics or discuss things further, we can be contacted at theratedebate at yarrascm.com. The Rate Debate podcast content may contain general advice. Before acting on anything in this podcast, you should consider your own objectives, financial situation or needs, and seek the advice of an appropriately qualified financial advisor.